Welcome to The Issue, a podcast brought to you by F Disruptors, where we bring colourful voices together to talk all things tech, life and futures. Each one tackles a different topic, and this month is called The Honest Issue, which we think when you're talking about tech, life, futures and equality, it's a great place to start. Today, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Gail Jones, who is the MD of the influential and innovative UKFAST based in Manchester. UKFAST is a leading cloud hosting and data center provider and Gail and her husband, Lawrence, launched UKFAST in 1999 and are still pivotal to its growth. Gail recently took on the role of joint MD to facilitate the business's next stage of growth and we are excited to hear her plans for future innovation around tech, their people and the landscape for women in technology. Welcome, Gail, to uh, the first ever podcast of The Issue. Um, delighted to be here at UK Fast today and to interview you. I know this is your first podcast as well, am I right? It's actually my second. Is it's the first it? one done by somebody other than Sarah, who is is based here. Fantastic. I'm really delighted and thanks so much. So we are looking at um, your role at UK Fast. You're rec- you've recently been um, appointed joint MD, which is a really exciting time. But there's obviously, you've been doing this business now since 1999. So there's obviously a, a lot of background there that we don't know. So tell us a bit about how did you get into um, being an entrepreneur and where you are today? We obviously started the business in 99. We started off by trying to register a domain name called gallery.com. We thought it would be a brilliant idea to uh, create this website and sell some space to artists because Lawrence is really creative. Um, And so we thought, why not? Let's do that. And we had such trouble trying to register the domain name that then we we thought, well, this is a kind of something that we should maybe be, be looking into. And and then we got our first little reseller package of 100 meg, realised very quickly, how could we even do anything of scale with 100 meg? That was just rubbish. So then we got the next size up the next day, which was a gig. And then about maybe five days later, thought, well, that's rubbish too. Then we bought our first server and um, started like that and then just thought well, we need to learn how to code because we were basically given a server it probably took about three months to to be um be commissioned um by by a different company and it was it was with them in their data center and then they gave us this box and we thought well what do we do with it now and so we talked them into building a very basic little control panel. It was like press one to reboot, press two for setting up this domain name, press three for this. And it was really, really simple. And that's what we did, or I did that side of it, um, that that setting up people's domain names on the internet. And Lawrence was off trying to promote the business, trying to get customers and going into all of his old contacts, trying to see if we could sell them something or anything to survive and it just grew from there. And then once the we thought, well, after a while, this this first server we could really do with a mail server. So we we managed to find some money and got that one. And then it just grew from there. And then we outgrew the first supplier of of our um, of our servers, and then went to a different place and got racks in Tally House, well one rack, and then had somebody down that down in London who could help us with the, with the the server installations and things. And then eventually we thought, this is crazy. We need to be up in Manchester and have some things up in Manchester. At this point, there was probably about 
eight of us. So we had Neil, our IT director. He was our first employee. That's another funny story there, but one for next time. And um, it, it just kind of kept evolving and growing. So we've never, I've never looked at myself as entrepreneurial. I know Lawrence does because he's had businesses before, but I'd just finished university. So I just fell in love and followed, followed him and wanted to help. And actually it turned out we work really well together. And so where things that I'm good at, he's not so good at and things that he's good at I'm not so good at so it just worked really well as a partnership. Sounds great so like most entrepreneurs who have set up something at the beginning it was more of a you know finding a solution to a problem that you have you both had really wasn't it which is always the best place to start but it's interesting to hear so you um you did go to um you graduated from Newcastle science faculty and then suddenly you found yourself in this really what sounds like a quite a, a you know tech enabled business so how did you decide to to take your experience at uni and then how did that help you to get into the business or did you just dive in and take it from there and took one day at a time we just went straight in it didn't seem like anything illogical to me so I had some um, graduate uh, opportunities that came through from the the normal big companies and I went for the various different interviews down in London and Lawrence is very supportive and every time I came back and and um and then I said, well, I'm through to the next round of, of interviews. And actually, I never went back for this second interview at a big bank <laughs> on their graduate scheme. I just, it wasn't for me. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be here. I wanted to do something, the two of us, um, and just create something special. And we didn't realize at the time quite how special it was going to be. You know, we, we thought we'd get to a certain size and then that was it. And it's just grown beyond certainly what I could have dreamt of and the impact that the whole UK Fast business has got and on, on everybody around us, it's phenomenal. I think it's really important that you've um, described there, though, the, the real honest approach to that, which I think when you see entrepreneurs very much, you can look from the outside in and think that everything goes perfectly, couldn't you? I doubt if everything went perfectly in those early days. And, and still now, you know, what what are some of the biggest challenges that you you think you've faced as a business? Oh, the challenges are always people related, usually. Um, obviously, there's there's cash in the beginning when when you literally don't have anything to eat because there's no money there. So we lived on on Weetabix for a long period of time, um, and and so you you get through these things and it makes you stronger. And this, you know, I used to then squirrel some money away, and then we got a big I can't remember if it's a VAT bill or corporation tax bill. And we looked at the bank account and went, crikey, how are we going to pay for this? And then we were both quite upset at that point. We thought that was it. And then I was walking home and I thought, hold on, I think I've got a reserve account, a business reserve. So I rang them up, checked it, and there was enough to pay the bill. And so that got us through. But in the early days, you know, it was really touch and go for if you're going to survive and and not. And then employ getting your first employee, that's a really tough tough decision to make because it's a salary that you commit to making every month it's not just about you you know you can do without you know, some of the things in life that you don't really need but paying the mortgages and paying somebody else's mortgage through their salary you know that's a big commitment and then as it grows and grows and you have more 
people's commitments that are on your shoulders, that's what gets really tough. But there's there's lots of things that, that went wrong and still do. So that it's about, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about um, grit and resilience and, you know, how you have to really bolster down to get yourself through the tough times. But a lot, when I do talks, a lot of young women come up to me at the end of my talks and say, how do you manage to, first of all, gain the confidence to make that leap? And secondly, how do you maintain that self-belief to really drive through those tough times and a lot of it is about that you know that old imposter syndrome that they don't quite feel as though this is something they can do but what you describe makes it sound like anybody can do it how how have you managed to be that self-resilient person how have you managed to build your confidence and maintain it so I'm very lucky. I grew up in a family where I've got, I've only got sisters and all my cousins are girls. Um, so in any family environment, we always outnumbered the men sort of three or four to one. So I, I always grew up believing as a woman that I could achieve anything. I went to an all girls school where obviously they teach you, you know, the world's your oyster and they had big ambitions for us. So I went to a very, very good school around here. And then it sounds daft, but you know Margaret Thatcher was in power when I was growing up, up until the age of what, 12 or something. So women have always been in the top jobs as far as I've been concerned. There's never been a doubt in my mind that women can't do anything that they want to do or be anything that they want to be. Um, so... And and then going on from that, you know, we I've got Lawrence, and he's so supportive of me to do whatever I want to do, and likewise, I'm supportive of him with whatever he wants to do, and we kind of just fit together and fill in all the bits that if one person's down, then the other person kind of g's them along, and I think having that relationship in place has has been the thing that that has made us so successful. The fact that when if I have a down day, Lawrence is there to pick me up and say, no, no, come on, you can do it. And and likewise, the other way around. And when he suggested that I should actually formally become managing director, you know, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that I couldn't do it. If he says, yeah, you'd be great at it, then okay, I can. So I think it's all about having the support of the people around you to make sure that 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 you can do that. And I guess that's what we try to do here. We try to encourage people that they can do anything that they want. So if people have an idea for a new project or something that they'd like to do, whether it's in work or outside of work, we're 100% behind everybody here to try and achieve whatever they want to, to achieve. I think that's great to hear. I think the other thing that's great for me to hear is that you definitely had a positive experience during education, didn't you? Whilst you're at school, you never thought for one minute that you couldn't achieve whatever you set your mind to achieve. But I think we probably can see that not everybody will feel like that. Um, I definitely feel that we need more of that in, in education and throughout school, especially for young women who it's well documented lose their confidence at the age of 15 and 16 at a time when we're expecting big decisions around careers. So how do how would you you know sort of say to your own girls because I know you've got four girls haven't you at different ages how does that you know how do you bring that ethos that you've got at work maybe into the home as well how do you how do you build that confidence with them 
So we've always encouraged our girls to do whatever they they feel that they want to do. And, you know, we're the two most positive people, I think, around that they could be around them. We, we do goal setting with them on holidays and things, and we spend a lot of time with them. We take them and walk them up Snowdon when they're, they're about five years old. So they, they do lots of different things. And there's, I think that there's nothing that they couldn't do. But again, you know, our fourteen-year-old daughter, she's going through that same phase at the moment where she she struggles to even think that she can ask for a glass of water, for example, and says, "Mummy, can you just go and ask for me?" Like, no, go and do it yourself, and you just have to try and encourage them to do it. And it is really difficult. And I know our children are very lucky, I think, to have us as there to support support them, and they're at a good school as well. And I do see that there's there's so many children around here that that perhaps don't get that support and so that's where we're trying to help them as well so we do lots of um, programs with all the local school children well and not just local you know they go we had some students in here from Birmingham University we try to empower them and so we, we work from children all the way from age five up to I guess 20 21 um, and and try and support them so it's about 60,000 children that we've reached across 60 education establishments that's it's a lot of children yeah that is a lot yeah. of children and I think that's great that you've got that age range as well so you start really early but you're also trying to capture people later on who are maybe just entering in their next phase the workforce something that feels quite daunting to a lot of young people still I think but it's interesting before we started our interview we did talk about confidence and imposter syndrome and I have to say you're the first woman who's ever said to me I'd never heard of imposter syndrome before today you know and I think that's really enlightening though I think that says a lot about your positive attitude but you'd never heard of that before today no had you? <laughs> no I'd never heard of it and once you'd explained what it means I get it and I get I, yeah I do understand that, that you do have moments of self-doubt but then you just have to think no actually I can do this you know, we can do, anybody can do anything that they want to do. You just have to have the will and the the willpower to go and do it. It's interesting that you um, also talk, though, about that network around you of people who definitely say, come on, you can do it. I think mentoring is such a valuable thing that any young person needs to experience throughout school or later on in life. Uh, tell me a bit more then about some of the things that you do here um, for some of your employees as well, you know, around how do you bolster that real energy um, around, you know, growth and making sure that your employees generally want to stick around, I suppose. You know, what do you do to, to create the next level of leaders in your organisation? Oh, there's all sorts that we do. So on last Friday, it's only a little thing, but one of our account managers runs a pub quiz. And so you get into your own little teams and you you enter this this little thing on a Friday night. Then you've got, so all the different departments will have department nights out or lunches. They get very close. Then we also have a mentoring program within within the environment here. So, so we try and match different people up from different departments. So you've got a mentor and a mentee. And then we get, we're actually just, restarting that out now um, with the new batch of, of people so the some of the old mentees will now become mentors and then you can do it at different levels so everybody's on a journey and we focus quite quite intensely as well in our training here as well so there's there's a big training department where where um, anybody could get trained in whatever they they need to or they want to so there's there's always ways to empower people to to do what what they want to do in life 
So how about you as a role model and obviously joint MD now, um, you will be a mentor to lots of different people, I'm sure, but you'll also be a role model. Um, how do you position yourself as that role model? Do you feel conscious of being that role model? Um, you know, how has it, how has it shifted things for you? I've never felt that I'm a role model to anybody really? here. No, I just get on with everything that I need to do. That I, I I try and make sure I don't let anybody down, and that everybody has the they have the confidence that I will back them, and that they they know that their decision is the right decision. Most of the time, people just need you to say, "Yeah, that's right. Go on, go ahead and, and get it done. What are you waiting for?" And and that's what we try and do. So I don't really see myself as a role model here. I just kind of get on with it. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. But I think it's nice that you know you seem to have a really very down to earth approach to let's just do it. Is that would that be an honest assumption that you just like to sort of get on with it? And if you fail, that's fine. But if it works out, that's also great. Is that really your your style here? That's definitely what we do here. Yeah, that sounds great. So um, we've also talked about education obviously f disruptors for me is bringing much more awareness around technology for young women um do you recognize yourself as a woman in tech or is that also a label that you just think i'm just getting on with my job again i think that's just something that we're getting on with um i, I wouldn't necessarily i'm not a techie not like the techies downstairs on the floor who who are you know got their black and white screens in front of them but I do understand tech I think everybody needs to understand it to some point of view even if you're marketing it or if you're training in it or selling it I think every job going forward mostly will involve some sort of tech so as a young person now you have to be able to understand it and you have to embrace it as well and I think that's what we're trying to do with the schools now is to make sure that that the children who are coming through are equipped with these skills to be able to go on and, and have a job that they can actually make a difference in and it doesn't matter what that job is that they are going to need to use some form of tech at some point. I wonder often I look at my two girls who are 16 and 14 and we talk about careers which is a bit of a dreaded conversation as a parent because they feel a bit of pressure already don't they about expectations um, and I do often wonder where the barriers are for young girls in tech and sometimes I can see there's a there's a fear of judgment you know they don't necessarily want to come out and say yes I'm going to really go for that and I wonder whether sometimes confidence does hold them back with regards to their choices around technology too but as you say it's such an important innovation and it's growing at such a pace that they can't afford now to think that they can opt out and they also can't afford to let fear be the thing that makes them opt out. Would you agree with that? I would do definitely but but I do think that I think our kids maybe look at me and think I'm a dinosaur in the technological age because you know they're, they're doing things on their phones and They've got all their favourite YouTubers and they've been playing Minecraft games for years. No, they're, they're far more advanced than, than I am with things like that. Um, but I, I do think that there's there's lots still that we can do for them to make sure that they, they don't find tech a scary thing to go into. It should just be an, a normal thing that you have to you have to try and do. Do you think we need to show them 
quite a few more role models because they obviously you've mentioned the the YouTubers and the gamers and the people that a lot of there's a report that's just come out actually today around how one of their biggest top 20 career aspirations is to be a vlogger or a YouTuber so there's lots of role models in that sort of technical area but do you think we've got enough role models overall and especially the non-celebrity ordinary people who are out there doing great things do you think we've got enough role models probably not but they're just they, they, they when we were younger it was just pop stars wasn't it that was who your role models were and maybe a few actors and actresses and I guess that the the way that the internet has evolved all these these celebrities are so accessible to them now on on Twitter and Instagram and and they, they follow them and they want to be like them I think that's what any young person is like you know we, we always have been and we always will so I guess it's just about getting the right kind of role models in front of in front of these children great well I think that definitely there's a lot of stars in this place I've been working with one of your great um, developers Beth who is just a bundle of energy around tech and what she wants to do with it and scrum and all of the different things and I've I've definitely learned a lot from her and she's someone that came through as an apprentice she um, did and she's doing really well isn't she you know she's she's thriving she's a, a great example of someone who was quite determined to go for what she wanted um you know as a as a, as a woman in tech and she's doing really well here so I hear you yeah she is yes. we've got loads of women in tech downstairs who who are just flying and flying the flag for us as well and they, they do a lot of work as well to try and encourage people to come into our industry fantastic so what's next for you as md um, let's end on what's your vision for moving forward and you because it's a it's a big role and it's a, a great responsibility but for you as, a, as an individual what's your next challenge that you're taking on as MD? Oh there's so many 2018 is just going to be the craziest year I think we have the building next door that comes online soon we need to start moving people into there so that we have more space here to grow people there's a big emphasis now in our R&D department in getting more automation and um, more products developed. Uh, on the back of that comes then, you, you then have to get a bigger sales team, bigger technical team, bigger training team. So the whole thing is just growing you know, phenomenally. So it's, it's getting all of that um, done as fast as we can. And then personally, you know, we've got four daughters. I still need to spend as much time as I can with them. Tegan, as I've said, she's 14. She has her own challenges at the moment with with her friendship groups and her confidence and poppy she's very similar to lawrence she's dyslexic just like he was so she needs to have a lot of time spent with her to get her homework done she's going into senior school next year so the pressure's now coming on to her and then the little two are just little bundles of energy and i don't want to miss out on them you know one's six and one's nearly two so yeah it's just try and keep keep focused on the family as well as keep focused on the UK Fast family. Yeah, I love that because the role as MD doesn't stop when you leave here, does it? You know, you're no. you're an MD at home and I definitely can um completely understand that. I'm my girls are 14 and 16, just about to come up to exam time, option picking and friendship group stuff as well. So I really do appreciate that, you know, when you answer that question, you incorporated the home side as well, which is, you know, important, isn't it? You know, it's a huge um, sort of balancing act, but it seems as though it's uh, something that you've 
you've got very close to your heart, which is great. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been really lovely to find out a bit more about you and your role at UK Fast, but it's been lovely to hear about your journey so far and I look forward to seeing more as we get through 2018. Here's to an exciting year ahead. Thank Thanks, you very Gail. much. Thank you. Thank you.